Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you. You have made it. You have survived it. It is Friday. Congratulations. Hopefully you've got a great weekend ahead of you. Praise be to God. We're looking forward to our weekend. Of course, it's uh, it's first Saturday tomorrow, so there's we're going to try to take advantage of that. Honestly... We don't, we're not that consistent. It's my fault. I should be better at that, taking the family on first Saturdays. But uh, we're going to go tomorrow. So praise be to God. First Saturday. Great opportunity. Good news, bad news, Adrian Fonseca. Oh, no. Um, let's do good news first. So the bad news is oh. Emily is out today. She's, she's not in the studio. I was waiting. I wanted the, the good news. The good news first. Oh, did you? I'm sorry. My I, bad. My bad. My my bad. Yeah. So Emily is not in today. Unfortunately, you know, she just her car broke down. So pray for her. It's not fun being in a major city with your car broke down at oh dark thirty in the morning. Um. So uh, keep her in your prayers today. She is out. We're going to do our our best to uh, to continue on and uh, to fill in the gap. And it ought to be interesting at the least. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's, now I prayed the litany of humility today as is my custom every Friday. And the Lord is so gracious to deliver on, uh, on that prayer. Uh, he's, he, he seems eager to always respond to that prayer. I'm not sure like, why that one and not others, but that one for sure. He's like, yeah, of course, no problem. I got you. I got you. So here we are. Praise be to God. We're going to have a good time. Guess who's on the show today, though? Who's on the show? Sherry Blomquist is going to come on. She wrote a book on, uh, she, it's from Aesop to Austin by Ignatius Press. I, her thing is teaching the classics to young people. So I know we've discussed this privately off air. You know, what is the value of of young people studying the classics, classic literature? So Sherry Blomquist is going to be on to answer that question. It, you know, do I wonder, do uh, do the young people still learn the classics in, in public school anyway? I'm curious if that's the case. Do they read you know the the Odyssey, for instance, or the Iliad, or do they do they read the uh, Shakespeare anymore? I'm, I'm I'm wondering. I'm pretty sure Shakespeare is a racist now, um, according he? to a lot of universities, major universities. Speaking of going woke, Jason Jones is going to be on our program. We're going to be talking about woke Hollywood in our What's Concerning Us section. Um, you know, of course, Jason Jones is a producer. He's he made Little Boy, uh, Bella, and other films. Are he helped to make them anyway. And so he's going to be our guest in our What's Concerning Us section. We're going to talk about Woke Hollywood and the aftermath of the Woke Oscar Awards that just took place, which I didn't watch. Did you? Um, but I wonder, is this the time to really start over in Hollywood? Do we just ignore Hollywood and create our own entertainment? Do we have like a parallel distribution model of entertainment that we are willing to spend money on and watch and ignore the traditional Hollywood uh, distribution models? That's the kind of questions I want to ask uh, Jason Jones, a pro-life warrior and uh, movie producer, coming up in our What's Concerning Us section. So that's coming up all in this hour. Uh, plus, we're going to try to make our way through the headline news without Emily, and we're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, all in this hour. If you can join us in the next hour, praise be to God, we surely would love to have you. 
uh, we're going to have the game show, and uh, we have a we have a guy hanging out with us today who played the game. By the way, we'll reveal him in the next hour, and uh, he'll be standing in for Miss Emily, and we'll actually draw a winner. Today's the day where we pull out a name out of the coffee cup of divine providence. Will it be yours? I don't know. Hopefully, you can join us for that if you are able. But uh, a lot of Catholic drive time is headed your way on this Friday. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Pray for your intentions. Pray for our intentions. Pray that we stumble through this show today without our colleague, Emily, and uh, get through with some style. That's the prayer. But whatever's on your heart, of course, your guardian angel knows your intentions and can bring them and to include them. Uh, but you can also comment on one of the live video feeds if you like. And if I'm not mistaken, we are, in fact, broadcasting live directly to our webpage this morning at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, is that true, Adrian? Are we are we live right now? On we uh, should be. Let me check. Yep, we are. We are, we are live on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And you can comment there as well. That's can't promise cool. I'll be monitoring that, but <laughs> I will. But that is possible. You can comment there now. Praise God! So you can actually watch live and comment live right on our webpage at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Let's ask our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to intercede for you and for us, for Emily and for the team, for the Station of the Cross, who's trying to do some fundraising, and prayerfully you'll consider a donation for them if you're listening from them, and the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our intentions. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with yours truly. The Daily Wire reports U.S. Catholic bishops may demand Biden and other pro-abortion politicians stop taking communion. U.S. Catholic bishops may decide when they meet in June to toughen their stance on Catholic politicians who publicly support abortion, politicians like President Joe Biden, for instance. During their next annual meeting, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB Committee on Doctrine, will be drafting a document that will clarify their position regarding the long-standing question of how to handle Catholic politicians in open defiance of church teaching on abortion, according to the Associated Press. Archbishop Joseph Nauman of Kansas City, who is the chairman of the USCCB Committee's uh, Committee on Pro-Life Activities, has publicly and repeatedly rebuked President Biden for supporting abortion, going so far as to say the president should, quote, stop defining himself as a devout Catholic, unquote. OAN reports U.S. weekly jobless claims hit 13-month low and home sales tumble. The number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits fell to a 13-month low last week, suggesting layoffs were subsiding and strengthening expectations for another month of blockbuster job growth in April as reopening economy unleashes pent-up demand. While the labor market recovery is gaining speed, red flags are emerging in the housing market, the economy's star performer during the COVID-19 pandemic. Sales of previously owned homes tumbled to a seven-month low in March as prices jumped to a record high amid an acute shortage of houses, other data showed on Thursday. 
Realtors warned that expensive homes could be a permanent feature of the market, worsening inequality. There are still 17.4 million people collecting unemployment checks at this time. The Blaze reports Antifa issues veiled death threat against Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler in an alarming video. A person purporting to represent Antifa has reportedly targeted Portland, Oregon Mayor Mayor Ted Wheeler after he issued a plea for the community to assist in unmasking rioters and members of Antifa. According to a Thursday report from PJ Media, a person purporting to represent Antifa threatened Wheeler in a video shared Wednesday night. In the video, a masked person threatens the Democratic mayor and even goes as far as to publish Wheeler's home address. The person concluded, quote, Ted, we are asking for the last time that you resign. If you ignore this message outright, the destruction to your precious way of life is going to escalate. Blood is already on your hands, Ted. The next time, it may be just your own. Unquote. The Epic Times is reporting more lawsuits coming to the Biden administration over the border crisis. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said he is teeing up more lawsuits against the Biden administration for not enforcing immigration law. With five lawsuits already filed, Paxton said he hopes to force the administration to follow the laws Congress has in place. Quote, There's a reason that we've sued the Biden administration five times over immigration. Tremendous harm is being done to this state. Tremendous harm is being done to this nation. Unquote, Paxton said during a press conference at the U.S.-Mexico border on April the 28th. He goes on to say, quote, We're going to do our best to force the federal government to follow the very laws they've passed. Unquote. Paxton criticized President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris for not traveling to the border to see firsthand the effects of their policies. VOA reports dozens die in Israel in stampede at the sage's grave. Dozens of people were crushed to death in a crowd at a religious bonfire festival in Israel on Friday, medics said, in, the, in what Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu described as a heavy disaster. The crush occurred as tens of thousands of ultra-Orthodox Jews thronged to the Galilee tomb of 2nd century sage Rabbi Shimon Bar Yoshai for the annual Lag Omer commemorations that include all-night prayer, mystical songs, and dance. Witnesses said people were asphyxiated or trampled in a tightly packed passageway, some going unnoticed until the public address system sounded an appeal to disperse as crowds packed the Mount Meron slope in defiance of COVID-19 warnings. And those are your headlines for this Friday. Praise be to God. The gospel today, actually, let's go to the saint of the day. Saint of the day, Pope St. Pius V. Pope St. Pius V was born on the 17th of January in 1504 in Lombardy in Italy. He was born to an impoverished Italian nobility, the son of Paolo and Domenica. He worked as a shepherd boy. He received an excellent training in piety and holiness, including a scholastic education from a Dominican friar. He joined the order himself in 1518, taking the name of Michael. He studied in Bologna. He was ordained in 1528 in the Diocese of Genoa. He became a teacher of philosophy and divinity in Genoa, a professor of theology in Pavia, and he stayed there for 16 years. 
On the 4th of September, 1556, Michael was consecrated Bishop of Nepai at Sutri in Italy. But he was, he was consecrated against his will. That's kind of cool. He, he was created a cardinal on the 15th of March, 1557. He became the Grand Inquisitor on the 14th of December, 1558. And he was part of the conclave in 1559 that elected Pope Pius IV. Upon his ascension to the papacy, Pius V immediately faced the task of enacting the reforms of the Council of Trent. That's right, he became the 225th Pope in 1566. New seminarians were, uh, seminaries were opened, a new breviary, a new missal, a new catechism were published, foundations were established to spread the faith and preserve the doctrine of the church. Pius spent much time personally working with the needy. He built hospitals and used the papal treasury to care for the poor. Pius faced many difficulties in public uh, in the public forum, both in the impl impl boy, it's going to be fun today. Both in the implementation of the Tridentine reforms and in the interaction with other heads of state. He would die on the first of May, fifteen seventy-two, in Rome apparently from some renal disorder caused by kidney stones. He was canonized by Pope Clement XI in May of 1712. Pope St. Pius V, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not... Would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Gospel of the Lord. Yes, there's a lot here, and we have uh, just about a minute before we go off to a break. So I want to leave us with something positive instead of going into the negative parts of this. So I'm just going to go through. Uh, this is a reference back to Psalm 26. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So, of course, Lapide says that we Christians need to uh, cast off fear because we have our Lord who is the way, the truth, and the life. And because of him, if we believe in God, we should believe in him and have no fear and trust in his mercy and providence. Nailed it. Good job, Adrian. Praise be to God. <laughs> well, we survived the first segment. <laughs> Glory be to God. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back, and Jason Jones is going to be our guest. We're going to talk about the woke Hollywood and then uh, later in the hour, Sherry Blomquist. All that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. 
GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Jason Jones is expected to jump on here, and uh, we're going to be talking about the woke Hollywood. Um, I was thinking about um, the Oscars, which is what made me want to reach out to Jason Jones, pro-life warrior, by the way. And so uh, hopefully any moment now we'll be able to conversate with him about that. Coming up in just about 20 minutes or so, we're going to be speaking with uh, Sherry Blomquist. She wrote a book with Ignatius Press about the classics and the need to, I guess, uh, continue to teach the youth the classics. So we thought that was an intriguing conversation. Uh, my kids, my, my teens have to go through the classics and their homeschool curriculum uh, through uh, Colby Academy. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that's kind of dicey. And we're, we're always having those conversations. And so Sherry is going to be on to talk about that today. So that's coming up in about 20 minutes from now. Uh, by the way... Uh, I sent out the email yesterday to our email list, and we, we, we give unique and special content to the email list. And I just finished up the third part of a three-part series on the Radical Choice, a series of talks that I gave. So if you'd like to get that email and you're not on the list already, join our email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you'll be able to uh, get up on that email list. Next week, we're going to send out a brand new piece of content uh, from Adrian Fonseca, I think on the brown scapular, if I'm not mistaken, but that'll be coming next week. So again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. While we are uh, waiting for uh, Jason to jump on, I, I saw this other article. There was, you know, several articles. I had about 45 minutes to to wrap my brain around, oh, Emily's not going to be here today. I have to figure out the news. And so I was looking at a ton of stories. A, VOA is reporting arrests in U.S. Capitol attacks surpassed 430 430 people have been arrested in the U.S. Capitol attack. You know, we talked a lot about that the day after it happened. We've talked about it since on several occasions. The term insurrection is thrown around like, like it's going out of style. It's crazy. But go back to that Antifa video I reported it on. Um, Breitbart report, or not Breitbart, uh, The Blaze reported. Antifa threatening the mayor. Has anybody been arrested there? I'm just curious. Have there been 430 arrests in Portland for all the all the crazy, you know, the firebombing of, of courthouses, attacking of federal agents? Has there been any arrest in that? Where's the term insurrection in all of that? What about Oklahoma? Their capital got got uh, attacked. No, uh, no insurrection used. Not 430 arrests, that's for sure. Not even one, as far as I know. 
So it is rather insane. But I do see uh, our friend Jason Jones is on Zoom. Uh, Jason, you're muted. If you can unmute yourself, that'd be that'd be even better. But praise be to God. Or worse. Good or to worse. See you guys. Good morning, Jason Jones. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful to you. Morning, morning. Praise be to God. We want to talk about all your friends in Hollywood, if that's okay. Uh-oh. So uh, did you watch the Oscars? You know, I tried to, and then I just shut it off. <laughs> it's it's It's... It's, I mean, it was already kind of, it was always kind of that way, but it's just gotten so bad, right? It's just nothing but st- uh, stump speeches the entire show. Hollywood has gone full yeah, you woke. Know, yeah, Hollywood has gone full woke. Well, the truth is not really. Like, you talk about my friends. I have so many friends in Hollywood that are very, I'm close friends with so many people that are big celebrities that I'm embarrassed for them to be my friend because you know, there's real consequences in that industry um, for, you know, not conforming to the studios. And so Hollywood is very diverse um, politically. And, you know, I have friends, I have a friend who's one of the biggest construction coordinators in Hollywood who was a Green Beret, you know, in Vietnam. And he walks around, you know, movie sets with, Trump shirts and things like that. No one says anything to him. They respect him. Praise be you know, to the God. The problem is that the studio system demands conformity, right? And the agencies have an agenda. So, so many times I think when you hear these, these actors on stage grandstanding, they're really dancing to their agency's tune. They're just trying to get on the good side of their agents. Now, we interviewed Nick Loeb a few weeks back about Roe v. Wade. Have you seen that film? I have. What did you think? Uh, I thought it had a lot of Nick spirit. It was a spirited film, you know, and um, I, I could feel Nick in the film. I just interviewed Jamie Kennedy on my podcast about the film. And I said, you know, it was a very spirited film. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, I, I learned a lot. Yeah, actually, I've been in the pro-life movement for 30 years and I, I, I learned a lot. I, yeah, I agree with that. But one of the thoughts I was having was I, I, we hear from from Hollywood actors and producers and people who work in the industry who are conservative or even the religious uh, uh, people, Christians, and they're frustrated. They feel like they're being outcast. They feel like they're not getting roles. They're not getting opportunities. And the thought occurred to me, should we have – like John Schneider, for instance, who who worked on that project – and I'm pretty sure, I don't know this, I forgot to ask Nick this question, we had him on. I'm pretty sure uh, they filmed a lot with John Schneider at his uh, place out in Louisiana. It's like that model of like having like a, a parallel Hollywood, so to speak. Do we, do we as conservative and Christians, do we have to create like our own version of Hollywood, our own distribution methods? Do we create our own entertainment and we just ignore the others? Or, or, or do we have to work within their sphere? What do you think, Jason Jones? I, th- I think both, right? You know, people are placed in different positions. You know, the, the media, the mainstream media declared after the Oscars had, what, less than 10 million viewers. Yeah. Hollywood is dead. But movies are not dead. The movie industry is not dead. Maybe the, I had a, a major studio executive call me when I launched a boycott of his film and said that I would never work in this town again. And I just laughed. Hmm. I, I was working from my home in Hawaii at the time. And I said, I'm never going to work in Kapolei, Hawaii. I'm like, well, this is 1983, bro. <laughs> You have no power. You have no power. This is a major studio executive. Um, yeah, so things have changed. 
The ball really is in our own court. We can produce our own films. We can find creative ways to distribute. If I was young, and um, I hate this term creative, but if I was a young quote-unquote creative, I might not be looking at motion pictures. I'd be looking at Instagram and TikTok and, you know, uh, short-form content and all the new ways that are popping up every day to distribute short-form content. And especially as uh, the attention span of every generation is getting smaller and smaller. And you could reach millions and millions of people. Um, you know, we had a meme that Movie to Movement made once, a graphic image that was shared on social media 800,000 times it was shared. Seen like 35 million, it had 35 million likes. It was a pro-life meme. So there's so many ways to tell stories now. You, you can podcast. There's no barriers to entry for podcasting. You can you can make a film with your phone. You know, our phones have powerful cameras on them. There's great editing software. And then there's so many unique ways to distribute. So I feel liberated by all of this, you know, but again, I'm a producer, not um, a writer, director, actor that want, would probably want to, you know, not have all of their projects. You know, it takes between seven and 14 years for the average film to be produced. So, you know, it's not a, it's a, not the best strategy for a young actor coming up. You know, you don't want, you do not want to be blacklisted and depend only on independent projects because those projects take a long time to get going. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had films I've been working on where we're looking at a, a young Christian actor for the lead. And then, you know, the film gets developed seven years later, it's ready to go into production. Well, that kid that we wanted to put in the film is now not a kid, right? He's married <laughs> and has three kids of his own. So um, I think it's both, you know, and I would never discourage anyone from mm. quote unquote working in Hollywood um, in, in the system. There's a lot of beautiful people in there, a lot of Christians, a lot of conservatives, but it is a shame to our industry that we have an industry where probably half of the people there now more than half, maybe almost everyone, maybe half are conservative, but everyone is afraid to speak their mind Yeah, because woke culture changes every single day and woke culture will go back and dox you till you were in elementary school. <laughs> it's like the cultural revolution, you know, in China in the cultural revolution, they would bring a 21 year old up on the stage in front of the whole village and berate her for something she did when she was 14. Mm. And we would study that in political science when I was in college. And we'd say, well, how despicable. Something like that could never happen here. You know, and recently we saw that young girl that was on that horrible TV show, The Bachelor. She should have no business being on. But they had doxed her to something she did in high school, going to some antebellum dance or something like that yeah. and called her a racist. And I thought that reminds me very much of the Cultural Revolution, that we're so vicious and so cruel that we would we would dox children and then you know uh embarrass them in front of the world it's it's and, and so it is a shame to our industry that um everyone from top to bottom lives in fear that's yeah. a fact i can promise you that jason jones is our guest we got about another two and a half minutes uh with him we're talking about the uh quote woke hollywood and uh, you know what we can do about this. So about two and a half minutes left, Jason. I, one of the thoughts that I had was, 
when when the left makes like agendized movies, I'm thinking of Milk, uh, Blood Diamond, uh, Lords of War, films that have uh, Darfur, films that have a political message, very agendized. They still make a good film. They still like put a lot of production effort into it, and it still has a lot of production value to it. But when we do it, we tend to to fall in the production side. What do you think about that? Last question, two minutes on the clock. Well, you know, I would say... We don't, you know, the movies I make don't, and that's because we work hard and spend a lot of money. So and it takes us a long time. I would, say, I would say that it's a function of budget. Production quality is a function of budget. You know, the left makes a lot of lower budget films too. And so we should judge films by their budget. Um, and so a lot of it's just a, a reality of the business. If, if, you know, you want to get a return for your investors, you have to try to keep the budget low. And movie to movement, we're a nonprofit. So if you saw our, our short film Crescendo that I produced with Justin Bieber's mom, Patty, you know, that's a $600,000 short film. Wow. $600,000, 15-minute short film. That and it was beautiful, by the way. And, and that's what, what we, we made it as a nonprofit. We wanted to make a big, beautiful film that didn't make any sort of sense in the mm. market, but there would be a monument that would last forever for the, the dignity of the child in the womb. So look... Some of these films that have lower budgets tell very powerful stories and they do a great job with the budget that they have. So yeah. um, that's just what it comes down to. You look at a film like Little Boy, which I think is one of the most beautiful films of all time that we were a part of, and that movie lost a lot of money for its investors. And then you look at some of these lower budget films, um, you might not like them. They, they may not, they don't look like Titanic, but they tell a beautiful, powerful story, and they do a they do a great job, mm. like an amazing job for the budget they had. And so I just look at his budget, and we judge when we say Hollywood left films, we take their best. But there's thousands of these films that come out that are just trash, right? Yeah. Uh, I liked and, Little Boy, uh, by the way. I thought it was very good. I thought it was a great story, and I thought it did very well. I don't know what your budget was, but I thought it was very good. Uh, praise be to yeah. God. We are out of time. Hey, Minari. Minari was a great film. So there were some great films at the Oscars this year. I hope everyone watches Minari. All right, Jason Jones, we'll have to have you back. God love you and God bless you. Thanks for getting up early today. Aloha. Take care. God bless you. And that is going to do it for the What's Concerning Us section. After this very short break, we're going to have breaking news and stories again. And then Sherry Blomquist talking about the classics today. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, since every religion claims to be true, well, then none of them are true? Even though this is not a very intelligent comment, it does not prevent people from saying it. G.K. Chesterton says probably one of the creeds is right and the others are wrong. Logically, most of the views must be wrong. But there's nothing logical to the idea that all must be wrong. Think about betting on a horse. Many people bet on the wrong horse, but some bet on the right horse. And sometimes even the favorite has been known to come in first. But that's the point. Something comes in first. The fact that there are many beliefs does not destroy the fact that there is one well-founded belief. So don't say that the variety of beliefs prevents you from accepting any beliefs. It's not logical. And it's not a very good way to bet, either. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your breaking news and stories. Catholic News Catholic News Agency is reporting a masked man bashed Our Lady of Guadalupe. A masked man bashed a mural of Our Lady of Guadalupe with a sledgehammer last week at a parish in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Quote, the image of Our Lady of Cedros Ave has been severely vandalized. This is one of our saddest moments in addition to our pandemic times ever since, unquote. State of the Parish website for St. Elizabeth Catholic Church in Van Nuys, California. The security camera footage reported showed a man hitting the parish's 35-year-old mural 13 times at 1.40 in the morning on April 21st. The parish called the desecration an act of sacrilege against the Blessed Mother. They asked for donations to restore the tiles in the mural and announced that the plexiglass would be installed to provide security. The act of vandalism follows other recent incidents at Catholic parishes in California. On the weekend of April the 17th through the 18th, three statues were vandalized outside Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Woodland, California. A statue of Mary was defaced with black spray paint at St. John Vianney Parish in Rancho Cordova, California as well. Catholic News Agency also reports more financial scandal at the Vatican. An Italian investigative news program has accused the Vatican's treasury of investing 20 million euros, around 24 million U.S., in several pharmaceutical companies involved in making the morning-after pill. The program report aired on the channel RAI3, interviewed the former Auditor General of the Vatican, Libero Milione, who said that his office alerted superiors at the Vatican of the, quote, risky, unquote, character of the investments. He also told the program he considered the investments a risk because, quote, they did not correspond to the social doctrine of the church, unquote. Milione was the Vatican's first auditor general appointed in 2015 by Pope Francis. In 2017, he and his deputy were forced to resign by Archbishop Angelo Becciu, then Sostuzio of the Secretary of State, who accused them of spying. According to an investigation by the report in 2016, which functions as the Holy See Treasury, they invested 20 million euros in two Swiss pharmaceutical companies. Irish Catholics' long wait to return to public masses will end on May 10th, Ireland's Prime Minister announced on Thursday. This is a report out by the Catholic News Agency. In a televised address to the nation on April 29th, Mr. Martin said that on the date, quote, religious services can resume with a limit of 50 people attending, unquote. The cap of 50 people will apply regardless of church size. The Irish government's website confirmed that May 10th would mark the recommencement of in-person religious services, unquote. But it said, quote, it is advised that other religious ceremonies such as communions and confirmations should not take place at this time. Public public masses have remained suspended in Ireland for months despite restrictions being lifted in neighboring countries. Public masses have been continued in England throughout a, a stringent lockdown that began on January 4th. A landmark legal ruling led to the resumption of public masses in Scotland on March 24th even. 
Public worship resumed in North Ireland on March the 26th. Irish bishops have expressed dismay earlier this month when the government introduced measures effectively criminalizing mass with a congregation. Insane. That is going to do it for the headline news. Hopefully and prayerfully, Emily will be back on Monday and we'll be able to, uh, you know, continue properly. But uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat is Sherry Blomquist. She's got a book out called From Aesop to Austin by Ignatius Press. Um, It's about reading the classics. Good morning to you, Sherry. Thanks for being on our program. Hello. Thank you for uh, having me. Appreciate it. Praise be to God. It's uh, it's good to have you on. where, where Where are you from? What part of the country are you in? Um, well, I am a Coloradoan, but I live in Tennessee right now. Praise be to God. Southern Tennessee. Praise be to God. Tennessee is such a beautiful state as well yeah, as Colorado. Really um, you know, it's an interesting concept uh, about the classics. One, because we we wonder, I mean, I was public schooled as a kid, but now I have six kids, two grandkids. We, we homeschool. We've homeschooled all of our children. Our oldest, who has two kids of his own, he went through um Colby Academy, and he the classics were a big part of his curriculum. And my eldest daughter, who's uh, with me today, she also is going through this high, same high school curriculum, and the classics are a big part of it. And when you read the classics, like uh, the Iliad or, or the Odyssey, a lot of times these, these can have some troubling elements for young minds. And that was one of the questions we wanted to bring up. But the other question is, I wonder... Are kids being taught the classics today in public education? Where is the classics in the formation of young people in our country today? Sherry Blomquist, we hope you can shed some light. Um, well, um, for your second question, um, uh, well, and I also wanted to correct one thing. The book, the book's title is um, Before Austin Comes Aesop. Ah, thank um, you. <laughs> uh, no worries. Um, for the, in regard to whether classics are being taught today. I've been paying pretty close attention to the news. Um, you know, when I, when I hear anything about education, I, I kind of perk up because I've been an educator as well as a homeschool parent for many years. And um, I have seen since the 1990s when I was in school, um, I have seen a kind of a steady decline of the uh, emphasis on the classics in public education. Now, I'm not, I haven't been a public education teacher, but I have been a substitute teacher. And so I've been in many public schools. I have been in many private schools and I've also homeschooled. So I've had uh, my finger on the pulse of education for a long time, even if, even when it's been from the sidelines. Um, even in the 1990s when I was taught how to teach English, Uh, because I have an English education degree, uh, there was already a de-emphasis on the Western canon, which most of us grew up with. Excuse me. And, you know, it used to be that when you went to school, you got Longfellow, Hawthorne, um, you know, Lewis Carroll. And, you know, in the 1990s, there was a big push for multiculturalism. And I remember that was just this big emphasis. Even though I went to a very uh, solid Christian school, there was this um, intense and uh, emphasis on multiculturalism. And it wasn't that the classics weren't important. Um, weren't important. It's just that they were trying to push uh, the literature of different cultures. Which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's good to be exposed to all different kinds of literature. Uh, but ever since then, it's been kind of a, a steady decline until today. Um, you see very, very little 
uh, Western canon literature, uh, the classics, um, you know, in when, when I hear about public education and my son was just in a public school in the fall and we pulled him right back out and put him back into homeschooling. And um, they hardly did any literature. The literature they did, um, there was a contemporary book. I've been hearing more about the uh, contemporary books being pushed. Um, it's just not it's not good right now, but a lot of classical school, a lot of private schools, a lot of homeschool tutorial programs like Colby, you know, they are championing, championing those uh, books. So it's still there. <laughs> Cherry Blomquist um, is our guest today. We have about three minutes before we go to our first break and then we'll be uh, right back. Uh, but before we go to break, I was just wondering, could you like give us a a just like a pitch of why we should be reading the classics. Uh, many of us have uh, never read the classics, never exposed to them, and they seem kind of intimidating, even as adults. Uh, better yet, for for kids. Uh, so, could you give us a pitch of why we should care about the classics? Well, first of all, um, children's classics are accessible to anyone, and um, even many adult classics are accessible to children, and they are classics for a reason. They're classics because they're good literature, they're good stories. And we often get turned off by the uh, archaic language. Um, you know, we're not sure, um, you know, if we can fully understand them. Uh, they're outdated. But uh, at, their, at their core, like the Odyssey is an amazing adventure. But more importantly, uh, Western classics, and I'm defining that against Eastern classics because our civilization is Western civilization. That is who we are as, as a people. That's where we are. That is what our civilization is. And the classics are the voice uh, of our civilization. It is kind of a record of where we've been, who we've, who we are, where we're going. Uh, I mean, it kind of gives us a sense of where we're going. It helps us learn about our past, just like history. Um, but also, it's just it's the foundation of our culture. These great thinkers, these storytellers, uh, and so when we read the classics then we are uh, learning about ourselves and we are um, embracing our own civilization. And that doesn't mean we can't add on to it and add other, you know, other peoples and cultures and all that. That's good. But it also helps us to understand who we are as well. Um, uh, Cherry Blomquist is our, is our guest today. And we're about a, about a minute before we take our break. Uh, but just to set up for these, the question I want to ask when we get back from the break is whenever I was uh, growing up, whenever I started reading the classics, it was so daunting to me. It was like, uh, and I, it's not that I didn't like to read. I read, uh, a lot. But once we were reading things like the Iliad, the Odyssey, or the Woman in White, and things like that, we were, it just became so difficult. It was just a total different style of writing. And it was so foreign to me, having only read things like young adult fiction and things like that. Uh, it was just such a different, uh, world of writing. And so I was struggling so much, even though I liked reading and liked writing, uh, the, the classics just seemed so inaccessible to me. Uh, so when we get back from the break, uh, I like to you to respond to how do we raise our kids uh, to be able to read the classics and how do we train them or train ourselves uh, as being adults and to go back and like, you know, I want to go back and get that education that I did not get as a child. All right, uh, that music means a break. So you've been you've been forewarned, Sherry. You know what to dress when you get back from the other side of this very short break. Sherry Blomquist is our guest. Before Austin comes, Aesop, the children's great books and how to experience them is the book. It's published by Ignatius Press. We'll try to link to it on our social feeds as well. But you can find it. Just Google that. Before Austin comes, Aesop. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Kind of drive time is headed your way. 
When was the last time you were truly thankful for your liver? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Probably not recently. Yet without our liver, we would die. Quite often, we take things that are important, even vital to us, for granted. We often take the people who do so much for us and who play an important role in our lives for granted. In his rule, St. Benedict offers a different approach. He reminds us that no person, no task is unimportant. He sets up a way of life which leads to holiness by encouraging faithfulness in the ordinary things, which really make up the greater part of our life. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. Through mindfulness of God and an attitude of gratitude, we come to appreciate how much we depend on the goodness and good work of ordinary people and ordinary things. Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Sherry Blomquist is our guest. She wrote a book called Before Austin Comes Aesop, the children's great books and how to experience them, published by Ignatius Press. Praise be to God. Sherry, welcome back to our show. Thank you. Um, So Adrian set you up there uh, before the break. Adrian, what was your question one more time? Yes, I was wondering, how do we uh, train our children and ourselves as adults to be able to go back and read the classics? Oh, well, that's easy. Start with the children's books. (laughs) The children's books are for everyone. And, you know, we tend to think of children's literature as subpar, that it's it's not real literature. You know, it was published for children because, you know, they can't understand adult literature yet. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the children's literature is just a bridge to adult literature and nothing could be further from the truth. The literature that children have embraced for, uh, for millennia uh, since ancient times uh, is still the same literature that, you know, we want our, that we could be reading and enjoying ourselves. I mean, children have, have uh, been reading um, and or being exposed to a lot of times it was storytelling, you know, oral before there was uh, a lot of literacy, but, um, you know, folk tales, mythology, fairy tales, um, you know, even the Odyssey, the Iliad, the Aesop, uh, but, but those are, you know, we still think of those as adult literature. Uh, there's been so much wonderful children's literature published. It's, it's a rich treasure trove of literature that's accessible to everyone because it's not subpar. It is just as beautiful and just as profound and wonderful. It's just simpler. And my philosophy is that when, um, you know, art is for everyone, it doesn't matter if it's adult or children. Adult uh, art is for everyone. And many of these books are beautiful art. You know, even Goodnight Moon, <laughs> you know, um, we can, you know, we can look at Goodnight Moon as an adult when we read it with our children and get things out of it that our children maybe can't because of their age. Uh, you know, there's there's wonderful uh, novels. You know, The Hobbit was actually a children's novel. Uh, you know, The Little House in the Prairie series. It doesn't matter 
that it's uh, adult literature. We can access, access it on um, the children's literature and build from there because that too is major literature and has contributed profoundly to Western civilization. In fact, much of children's literature has influenced adult literature. You will see allusions, for example, to Alice in Wonderland in adult literature. And um, so we we should start with the children's literature, in my opinion. We will not go wrong. That's awesome. Yeah, we. Uh, I know a friend of mine. He would carry around. Which uh, when I first heard, found out that he did this, I I thought it was hilarious, and I was like, we would make fun of him about it. But uh, <laughs> looking back, I it's kind of I I realized that it, it's not a children's book. He would carry around uh, Winnie the Pooh. The entire, the complete works of Winnie the Pooh. And it was a massive volume, like the size of like a dictionary. And he would uh, carry it around and he was, it was his favorite book. And uh, we were all like, dude, that's a children's book. What are you doing? Uh, though none of us had actually read it. He was the only one that actually read it. All of us had uh, just only seen the cartoon as a child and never actually read any of it. And he was like, no, y'all have no idea what you're talking about. Y'all need to actually read it. It's amazing. Yep, and did you know that there's actually adult spinoffs off Winnie the Pooh? There's a Latin version, and there's the Tao of Pooh. I mean, there, <laughs> <laughs> Winnie the Pooh has wisdom for everyone, and sure, it's for children. You know, I'm not going to pretend it's like reading Pride and Prejudice, but it is um, still very special stories that anybody can get something out of Winnie the Pooh. You know, um, it's Winnie the Pooh's for everyone. That's why it's a classic. Let's talk about um, the Greek classics uh, more particular for a moment. Like I was saying earlier, our kids have gone through some of this with their curriculum. But, you know, one of the problems that we have as homeschool parents is the, the pressure of the world and society to force younger people to deal with subjects that they're not mature enough to process and handle well. Um, and we just see like an onslaught against their senses. And so we try as parents to protect them. Uh, some might call that a bubble. I don't care what they call it personally. Uh, but we try to protect their innocence uh, and help them to mature in a more stable fashion. And to that end, there's some difficult parts of the Greek classics that my kids have to go through uh, because of their curriculum. What would you yeah. say to parents like us that, uh, you know, we're like, oh, my heavens, this is this is some rough stuff. There's there's sexual scandal. There's bloodlust. I mean, there's just uh, there's there's paganism. There's just a lot of stuff in these Greek classics. And yet they're considered the classics that are the foundation of literature. So what do you say to parents like me? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm thinking back to when I was in Christian school. I grew up Protestant, and I went to Christian school all the way through college, uh, not Catholic school, but Protestant Christian schools. And in my second grade class, we started reading the KJV, the King James Version. Mm. And that's what I was raised on is King James Version. And we read the Bible all the time. And the Bible has some difficult things in it. The Bible does. You know, not, we're not talking about the, the Greeks, yes. but we're talking about the Bible. And that has some tough stuff. And we read the actual Bible, not a children's story Bible. We read the real Bible. And um, I believe that when we got to passages like, you know, what you're talking about, when there were some difficult, you know, bloody passages, mm. our teachers um, were just very graceful in, in leading the, us past them. Um, you know, probably, I think that they probably would have taken us through a very surface uh, reading of them. And most of the time, we didn't understand what we were probably reading in, in some of those uh, passages. And so I, I connect that to Greek, the Greek literature, you know, or even any of the classics that have some difficult material, because they're not, you know, the Greek classics are not the only ones. Um, I think that's where, you know, par parental and teacher guidance really becomes important. You know, especially when their kids are old enough to catch 
things, you know, second grade, we're not going to catch some of the worst parts of, um, you know, the bloodiest parts of the Bible or some of the, uh, some of the most troubling parts in the Old Testament. But um, I think that's where we really need to hold our children's hand because there is a lot of very troubling things that they're not fully mature about them. Some of it, they might just gloss over even in, in their teen years because they just don't, they're just not there yet where they can process what they're reading. But um, we need to maybe be aware of what they're reading. And I can't say this uh, enough about even contemporary literature because you cannot trust today's publishers for children. Hmm. And so whether it's Greek mythology or, or contemporary YA or even contemporary middle grade or anything, we need to be aware of what our children are watching and listening to and reading uh, all the time. And when they get to those parts, we need to lead them through it in an age-appropriate way and maybe not going deep to some of these difficult parts, but lead them through the surface as best we can. And, you know, real life <laughs> or, or, well, I don't know, mythology may not be so real life, but, you know, there's some bloody parts of the Odyssey and I can remember. <laughs> um, so we, I'm just saying we need parental guidance. And yeah, even guidance. the sexual elements can be very difficult and troubling, and it's usually for the teenagers that you have to pay the most attention to. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I'm glad you know, brought there's up. There's no easy answer. There's I'm glad no you brought up the Bible too. There are several passages in sacred scripture that can be very scandalous to the young mind. Yes, uh, yes. So I guess what you're saying is parents can't be hands off. There's no set it and forget no. it. You no, have you really to be can't. totally involved. You really can't be. Maybe with Winnie the Pooh, you can be. <laughs> <laughs> but but we cannot. You know, these are ideas, and and you know, ideas are dangerous. They're dangerous. We're seeing this in our culture right now. Um, just in the news, we're seeing how ideas are dangerous with all the the wokeness and people getting canceled and all that. This is not a time to be hands off of our children. And, um, you know, we know maybe when there's a, a TV show or something that's safe, like I could let my kids watch Scooby-Doo and I'll be fine because I grew up on Scooby-Doo. But um, if we don't know what's in that, if we don't know what's in the book, we need to be hands on and paying attention. Mm. and uh, helping our kids understand and process it in a way that's uh, relatable to them and appropriate for that child. Absolutely. Cherry Blomquist is our guest. Her book is Before Austin Comes Aesop, the children's great books and how to experience them. Um, Before Austin Comes Aesop, why the title uh, Before Austin Comes Aesop? Is there something particular about Austin and, uh, and Aesop's fables? I actually have never read, and I feel ashamed for saying so, neither Austin or Aesop. Uh, so is that is what would you recommend in a in a practical sense? And pick up this and uh, and pick up this. Like, do you want to say read Aesop's fables and then read uh, Jane Austen? Oh well, the, the I use Austen and Aesop as um, symbolic of adult literature and children's literature. Um, a, a lot of programs I've noticed over the years, and this is actually what inspired the title. A lot of literature programs, homeschool and otherwise, tend to push uh, teens, and I think specific, specifically of teens, into adult classics before they are really ready for them. They Before they really explore the treasures of children's literature. I mean, a lot of teens are reading, you know, um, high-level classics before ever reading, you know, Winnie the Pooh or... Um, you know, even, you know, even some teen classics that like Treasure Island, you know, it was a wonderful story. A lot of students get to the adult classics without ever reading Treasure Island, which is one of the cornerstones of Western children's literature. 
So my plea in the title is let your children explore children's literature fully and deeply before pushing them into adult literature. Uh, because the adult literature will always be there. It's not going to go anywhere. Your children have, you know, 50, 60, 70 years to be an adult, but they don't have very long to be a child or a teenager. Those years are fleeting. And if they don't read the wonderful children's literature available to them as children, they may not ever, uh, unless they maybe have children and read to that child. And to me, that's kind of a minor tragedy because uh, children's literature, as I said earlier, is just as important and just as beautiful and just as uh, classic and part of Western civilization as any adult literature is. Sherry, mm. so. we're just about out of time. If you had to pick one classic book, what would it be? Only one. What would you choose? You mean like my favorite or what I think is the most important? <laughs> it's the lady's choice. If you had, if you're only allowed one book ever of a classic, what would it be? Hmm. Well, I'll go with my favorite because <laughs> I don't know if I can pull out the most important. I mean, the Bible is the most important, I guess. But um, my favorite is The Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. All right. Praise be God. There, there you go. Sherry Blomquist, uh, the book is Before Austin Comes Aesop, the children's great books and how to experience them, published by Ignatius Press. Thank you for your time today. God love you and God bless you. Thank you. Have a great day. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. We have survived it. Even without Emily here, praying for her, of course. But uh, we're going to have a second hour. If you're able to join us, we'd love to have you. We have a guest in studio to fill in for the game show. Prizes are involved in today's the day. We pull the winners. If you want to watch that, hang out with us. Lead on, uh, go on over to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can watch and comment live at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, 
In order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. You have made it. You have survived it. It is Friday. But by the grace go I, right? It's going to be a, a great hour. We're so glad you're on with us. Now, if you are hanging out last hour, you already know. Okay. But if you're new, if you're just hanging out like this, you just tuned in. Breaking news. Breaking news. Emily Alcarez is not on the show today. She unfortunately had a little bit of breakdown on the side of the road. So pray for her. Pray for her car situation you know, so she's been struggling with that lately. And today, this morning, crackle dawn, you know, in the dark, pouring rain, stuck on the side of the road. Isn't that fun? Fridays are always very interesting. I think it has something to do with praying the litany of humility. Speaking of humility, Adrian Fonseca is here, praise be to God, on you're, the ones and twos. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. <laughs> I am the humility that God sends you every day, Monday through Friday, from at least 6 to 8 a.m. We need a button. We need a, we need an I am the humility God sends you button. Um, <laughs> Emily texted me. She said that she waited for the rain to stop. It's been pouring rain in Houston yeah. this morning. And she was, uh, she said she sputtered along the, the side roads, the back roads to get home. It took her, uh, way too long. And she said she's safe in her garage now. Praise be so, to God. Praise be to God. <laughs> praise be to God for that. Well, uh, the good news is, uh, we have a stand in for the game show today. Uh, and he is a veteran of the game show as well. So he knows the, the ins and outs of how it is played. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Mr. Thomas Russell. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Adrian. Uh, thanks for being on our program. Do me a favor, have, have a seat, because the camera can't oh. see you, so I want to make sure our audience who are hanging out with us on video. Uh, by the way, we are streaming live today directly onto our website, and you can even comment there. Praise be to God, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Mr. Russell, uh, thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Um, no pressure or anything, but are you prepared to fill in for Emily? Uh, I'll do my best. So you, you've got the news ready, you're, you're ready to go. Full full on newscast. You've, uh, you've prepared. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's honest. At least he's honest. Praise Honestly, be to God. Praise the God. But the game show, you got the game show covered. Got it. Pra- <laughs> now today you get like a double whammy because not only do you get to like participate in the actual game, the mechanics, the back end. You were a contestant once, and twice. so twice. That's right. So you you've played it on the other side. It ought to be interesting to see how you feel about it now that you're on this side of the of the curtain, so to speak. But you also get to pull the winner today. Oh, how cool wow. is that? Yeah, that's, wow. I was not expecting that when I came up here this morning. Yeah, praise be to God. Well, I'm excited. So uh, we have a lot to get into today. We're going to do, of course, a breaking news. We're going to do a news segment. I can't promise you how good it'll be. Emily's not with us today. But we are going to uh, do a news segment. We're going to have the Saint of the Day, the Gospel of the Day. Plus, we'll do our Fear and Trembling Game Show coming up. And by the way... Also on our website, besides the live stream and the com box, which you can hang out there if you wish, uh, the phone number and the rules of the game are posted there so that you can familiarize yourself with that. But we will give you the phone number here in just a little while. And then in the second half of this hour, we will uh, do an after show just on the live video stream, hanging out with you, commenting and and talking with you. Whatever you want to talk about, you get to drive that conversation. So that is the deal. That is the show today in this hour. Hopefully and prayerfully, you will join us for all or at least part of it. But let us pray and dive in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with yours truly. As a part of a sweeping new anti-corruption law, Pope Francis on Thursday declared that officials of the Roman Curia should no longer accept personal gifts with a monetary value of over 40 euros. That's about 50 bucks. The new rule appears to be an effort to quash the Vatican envelope culture in which large money, monetary donations are made to bishops and cardinals working in the Roman Curia. Praise be to God for that. A Texas legislator, according to the Catholic News Agency, has again proposed extending the waiting limit on no-fault divorce, a proposal that has drawn support from the Texas Catholic Conference. The State Catholic Conference told CNA on April 27th that it would support the bill because it is an incremental improvement in protecting the permanency of marriage and families with children. If House Bill 3190 becomes law, Married couples seeking a no-fault divorce would have to wait six months if they have minor or school-aged children or disabled adult children. No-fault divorces do not include cases in which domestic violence is involved. In an April 26 Twitter post about the legislation, Bishop Mark Seitz of El Paso said it is absurd that the greatest commitment that two human beings can make with one another is treated with less seriousness than the contract we sign for a car. Amen to that. The Diocese of Providence is transitioning toward normal liturgical practices, unquote, following new public health guidelines from the state of Rhode Island. 
quote, now that many of the restrictions imposed on gatherings in our state have been lifted, we are overjoyed to return to a more normal liturgical experience, unquote. Father Jeremy Rodriguez, the diocese's director of divine worship, told CNA in a statement, quote, this also affords us the opportunity to reinvigorate our parishes and appreciate the beauty that is the Catholic Mass, unquote. The new diocesan protocols will go into effect on May 7th and are aimed at creating a more welcoming environment to parishioners by eliminating any unnecessary social restrictions on the faithful. Amen. Amen. Good news. Good news indeed. And that is going to have to be it for your good news segment of today's Catholic Drive Time episode. Praise be to God. Our saint of the day today is Pope St. Pius V. Pope St. Pius V was born on the 17th of January, 1504, in Lombardy, in Italy. He was born to an impoverished Italian noble family, the son of Paolo and Domenica. He worked as a shepherd boy. He received an excellent training in piety and holiness, including a scholastic education from a Dominican friar. He joined the order, the Dominican order, himself in 1518, taking the name of Michael. He studied in Bologna. He was ordained in 1528 in the Diocese of Genoa, and he became a teacher of philosophy and divinity. And he was a professor of theology in Pavia for 16 years. On the 4th of September, 1556, Pope St. Pius V, or Michael at that time, was consecrated a bishop, and it was against his will. Praise be to God. Those are the guys you want. He was created a cardinal on the 15th of March, 1557, and became the Grand Inquisitor in December of 1558. And he participated in the conclave that elected Pope Pius IV in 1559. But he was chosen himself to be Pope in the, as the 225th Pope, in fact, in 1566. Upon his ascension to the papacy, Pius V immediately faced the task of, an, of enacting the reforms of the Council of Trent. He created new seminaries, a new breviary, a new missal, a new catechism were all published. Foundations were established to spread the faith and preserve the doctrine of the church. Pius spent much time personally working with the needy. He built hospitals and used the papal treasury to care for the poor. Pius faced many difficulties in the public forum, both in the implementation of the Tridentine reforms and in interaction with other heads of state. At the time of his death, he was working on a Christian-European alliance to break the power of the Islamic states. He died on the 1st of May, 1572 in Rome and canonized in 1712 by Pope Clement XI, Pope St. Pius V. Pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am you also may be. Where I am going you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I, one of the things I like real quick about this passage 
is about the uh, go to make a, a place for you. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. When you study the upper room and you realize that he is, he is basically consecrating these men as priests of the new covenant, this is one of the, re- one of the references. Because as we all know, Zechariah was in the temple in Luke chapter 1. It was his time to serve his company. The, the, the company of priests in the Old Testament were broken up into, um, into companies. Like the, all the priests, all the Levitical priests, broken up into companies that, that would serve their time at the temple on and off. So they would go on and they would live there. And then when they were off, they'd go home and live their normal life. Like almost like um, you know military reserve forces do, for instance. But when the priests were there, they lived in the temple in the many rooms there. This is a reference to that. It's like a nod. It's a tie there. So there's all of these clues when you re- when you research all uh, of these passages in the upper room. John's Gospel in particular, the washing of the feet, another priestly reference. This preference, it's I just love it. It's fascinating. You realize, especially in John 21, when he breathes on them after the resurrection and gives them uh, the power to hear confessions, to forgive or to retain sins. You realize we're dealing with priests here. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, yeah, so I, I had quite a bit. Uh, let me just do the last thing on my list of things. Maybe, maybe I'll come back to the first one because I got I got the whole idea across in the, in the thirty seconds at the beginning. Uh, but the wanting to emphasize why how our Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. Cornelius Lapide gives this as an analogy for the spiritual life, and so our lives are to imitate the spiritual life. So we're supposed to be on the purgative way. So we're trying to purify ourselves to be holy. Uh, then the luminative way to be uh, greater, closer to God, grow closer to God in our spiritual life. And then the unitive way where we have perfect unity with God uh, with our and perfect meditation on him. And so Cornelius Lapide says, quote, Christ is the way of beginners, purifying them by a hatred of sin and a dist- detestation of their past life. So he said, okay, one, he is the way and the truth and the life in regards to beginners, because you, the, by studying the life of our Christ, of our Lord, by loving him and, uh, when, and by loving him, you necessarily must hate sin and you must detest your past sinful life. Um, and then he goes on. The same is the truth of the more advanced, illuminating, referring to the illuminative way, uh, by the example of virtues and desire of a new and holy conversation. So now, now that you've loved Christ and now you've rejected sin and you've detest your past life, well, now you can start imitating not only uh, the hatred of sin, but now you grow in virtue and now you're on the illuminative way. And then he goes on, the same as a life of the perfect. Now we're talking about the unitive way, uniting them to God, by the affections of pure love. And so then we can imitate our Lord, not just in his virtues, not just in his hatred for sin, but also in his perfect unity with the Father and meditating upon the beatific vision always. Uh, we can imitate that and we can be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. And by following our Lord's life, we can go through the purgative way, go through the illuminative way and become in perfect unity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in heaven in which he is preparing a place for us. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. A good reflection there, Adrian. Thank you for that. All right. We're, we're going to go to the fear and trembling game show after the break. So here's the deal. It's Friday and that means easy question Friday, right? It's all easy questions on Friday. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty sure that's how that works. 
Uh, but uh, Mr. Thomas Russell's going to stand in for Emily on the game show. So if you want to be a part of it, all you got to do is call 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Pulling the winner today. Today is the day we pull the winner. All that coming up right after this very short break. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do us a favor and don't tell anybody I said this. But on this show, we like to do a few things. One, we like to teach a little bit about the faith so you always learn something you probably did not learn or know before. That's cool. We give out prizes and we like to have a little laugh in the process as well. So it's kind of a win-win-win. For everybody. But here's the kicker if you're just joining us. I do have three Catholic official trivia questions in my hands here, and uh, I don't ask the caller the questions. So the caller does not even need to technically know the answers to any of these questions, because instead, I ask the people in the studio today. And, uh, well, I was going to say Emily, but Emily's not in today. Instead, I ask, I'll ask Thomas, and I'll ask Adrian. One of them will be right, and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong, who do they trust more. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence, to which we will pull a winner out of today. Today is the day. 
And now I was going to throw it over to uh, Emily to say, tell them what they're going to win, but Duh. she's not on today. So there's that. Okay, so here's what the deal is. Studio, no, it's uh, Salem Studio, right, is our sponsor today. Salem Studio. Thank you for your generous underwriting of our Catholic Trivia Game Show. The prizes are sponsored by them. We will connect our winner to them, and they will mail them directly. So praise be to God. Salem Studios linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. So uh, thank you again, Salem Studio, for your generous underwriting of our program. All right, let's go to the phones here, and uh, let's talk to Irene. Good morning to you, Irene. <clears throat> Good morning. Praise be to God, Irene. We're very grateful you're on our show today. Where are you calling from? Houston, Texas. Hey, now. Houston, Texas. Are you surviving the torrential downpours? Yes. It's pretty rough out there today. Uh, now, where, where do you go to church, Irene? St. Thomas More. Hey, praise be to God. I think you're like the second caller from St. Thomas More, Adrian. Didn't we have another one? I think we did. Yeah. I think we did. Hmm. Uh, Irene. Have you been listening to the show? Do you know how the game is played? Yes, I do. Now, I would normally tell you to be careful of Emily uh, and Adrian, but Emily is not here, and we don't know of Mr. Thomas's trickiness yet. He's brand new at this, so we don't know how tricky he will be, but Adrian, I would keep a careful ear out against him. Yeah, I got this. Adrian always gives very obviously wrong. Whoa! Oh. Ouch! Ouch. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I think so, too, by the way. Praise be to God. All right, Irene, are you ready to play? Are you ready to do this? Yes. All right, uh, Thomas, we will start with you since you are sitting in Emily's seat. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? No. Okay. Thomas, can you tell me who was the only apostle not martyred. Not martyred. Uh, I know they used to have there used to be a feast day on the calendar for uh, St. John at the Latin Gate. Um, then he was exiled to Patmos. So I'm gonna go with St. John the Evangelist. Okay, okay. Adrian, can you tell me who was the only apostle not martyred? I, th I thought John was boiled alive. I I'm going to go with uh, St. James the Lesser, uh, one James of the Sons of Thunder, you know? Okay. Yeah, the, the greater, he, uh, you know, mm. I think he died. But the lesser, I'm going to I'm gonna say he, he did the, not. The greater had his head chopped off. I think okay. yeah, that's died. true. That's true. Okay. okay. Mm. All right. So Adrian is on the hook for St. James the Lesser. And uh, Mr. Thomas is on the hook for John the Evangelist. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Irene, what say you? Thomas. Thomas. Survey says, well done. That was easy. Well done. Praise be to God. That wasn't tricky, right, Irene? That was pretty straightforward. Yeah, that was easy. Easy. Knocking them out of the park. I like your confidence, Irene. That's awesome. And today is the uh, all-easy question Friday, right? I think so. So mm -hmm. uh, we'll have to see how this mm -hmm. second question goes. Uh, Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Uh -oh. Here we go. Adrian, who and what... I'll say it again. Who and what is depicted on the official ring of the Pope? Uh, let's see. On the official ring of the Pope is depicted Our Lady. And what is she doing in the on the ring? Well, Our Lady is uh, standing on a pillar. 
Our Lady standing on a pillar. Yep. Hmm. Overlooking the church. Like Our Lady of Pilar or something exactly like that? Exactly like Or like that. the John Bosco thing? Exactly. Okay. Mm. Like okay. both. Okay. Both like and. Both of those. Both and. All on the ring. All on the ring. Okay. Uh, let's see what Mr. <laughs> let's see what Mr. Thomas says. Mr. Thomas, can you tell me who and what is depicted on the official ring of the Pope? I'm pretty sure it's called the Fisherman's Ring, where it depicts St. Peter doing exactly that, fishing. Fishing? Like on the shore? I'm pretty sure he's on a boat. Okay, okay. So you're saying it's St. Peter in a boat? Yes. Fishing? Yes. Okay. And Adrian is saying it's Our Lady standing on a pillar. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Irene, what say you? Um, I think I'm going to go with Thomas. Thomas again. Oh, let's see here. Survey says, congratulations. Two for two. Two, ah. two, two. Now, Irene, did you know that one already? Was that also an easy one? Um, well, no, I didn't know that. But Peter was um the first pope, so I assumed that. <laughs> it was pretty obvious, right? I mean, Our Lady on a Pillar? Come on, Adrian. Well, I mean, you Come know, on, I was Adrian. thinking, you know, Our if, Lady... If you had said, like, duh. baking bread, maybe? The vision, the vision of, our, of St. John Bosco, like, the protecting the church? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a good guess. By the way, Our Lady of Pilar uh, appeared to whom? St. James the Lesser. Isn't that true? I thought it was Thomas, but you might be right. No, Thomas was in India. It was James. Okay. Santiago. Anyway, all right, Irene, you are two times in the coffee cup of Divine Providence. Praise be to God. Let's try for third one here. Now, this one, truth be told, this one could be tricky. Oh, she's uh, done. Yeah, I don't know. what We're going to go back to Mr. Thomas. Mr. Thomas, are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Can you tell me, can an indulgence be gained for a person who is living? For a person who is living. Right, so if I could I pray and gain... An indulgence for someone who is alive. Mm. I'm gonna go with no. I don't think you can. Okay. Mm, let's see what. Uh, let's see what old double major Adrian Fonseca has to say <laughs> about this. Adrian, can you tell me? May an indulgence be gained for a person who is alive, who is living? <laughs> My bachelor's in communications have really prepared me for this situation. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Of course you can. Of course you can of course? give. Is that the official response? Exactly. Of course? of course you can get an indulgence for someone else. I mean, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. Mm, okay. Common sense. Com- common? Common, common okay. sense. All right. Let's see here. Adrian is on the hook for yes, you can have indulgences for, for living. And Mr. Thomas says no, of course not. You can't have any indulgences for the living. Uh, it went just like that. Trust me. 15 <laughs> seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Irene, what say you? I think it's Adrian. Survey says... Oh, oh got her! Oh. We threw a low curve to the bottom right, and you got, swung! Got I'm him. so sorry, Irene. But in fact, in fact, it's uh, true. You cannot uh, obtain an indulgence for a person who is alive. The indulgences are for those that are in purgatory. Or yourself. Or yeah, or, you can you can well, obtain you an indulgence. Alive. Yeah, but it's for like someone else. So you can receive an indulgence for yourself, but you cannot uh, apply an indulgence to someone who is living. You can only apply it to yourself or yeah. to a soul in purgatory. Because the official answer on the card is no to the yeah. question. I can't give you my. I can't give an indulgence to you, Joe. 
Yep. That's too bad. We got to work on that. All right. Uh, when you die, Irene, you you're die. still in the cup for two. So praise be to God for that. So I need Mr. Thomas to put two Irene's in the cup. I need you to stir rigorously and shake vigorously and then pull out a name. Mr. Adrian will give you the drum roll. And then Irene, if it's God's will, your name will be pulled, but I'm going to keep you on just in case. All right. Ready? Ready. I, I'm, I'm like on the edge of my seat you, right now. You got a name? I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. Oh, man. These ones. Come on now. Let's see. It would be... Annabelle. 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 Congratulations, Annabelle. Irene, I'm so sorry, but you were a lot of fun. Thank you for playing with us today. Thank you. God love you, Irene, for uh, hanging out with us, and God bless you. Have a great day to you and, and a great weekend. We'll see you back on Monday. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, well, I, Annabelle, praise be to God. You won. It was God's uh, divine providence that your name should be pulled out, so we'll have Emily connect you to uh, Salem Studio, our generous show sponsor today. By the way, we've linked to Salem Studio over on our website. You can visit that, plus all the links to all of our sponsors at grnonline.com forward slash cdt also there you can see that you can watch us live today and you can comment right on our webpage. so if you want to hang out with us for the after show that is one way in which you can do that praise be to god just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt you can watch the live video there you can comment there you can even check out all of our show sponsors and to include salem studios link which is posted up down below under the Game Show Prize Sponsors. And uh, praise be to God for Salem Studio. Their website is shopsalemstudio.com. That's shopsalemstudio.com. But that is going to do it for this week's worth of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. On Monday, we're going to have a great show. Uh, let's see. I know we're going to have Sean Carney, President of 40 Days for Life, on. We're also going to have Christine Niles from Church Militant back. And John Martinoni as a running a billboard campaign in Birmingham, Alabama to try to win souls for Christ into the Catholic Church. He's going to be on to talk about that, plus a lot more. We might get E. Michael Jones back. I'm not sure. We're working on some stuff. It's going to be great. The full lineup will tell you on Monday when you're back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. But if you can join us in the after show, we would love to hang out with you. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can watch it live there. You can go on Facebook, YouTube, and elsewhere. All the links are posted on our webpage, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Don't forget to pray for Emily and her car troubles today. Prayerfully, she'll be back on Monday. And keep us in your prayers as we pray for God's will in replacing her. God bless you. God love you. If we don't see you in the after show, we'll see you on Monday. Until then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God, we have survived it. Welcome back to the uh, after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual 
about the conversation. We let her hair down, and boy, today, do I ever want to let my hair down. What hair? Uh, well, hey, now. Go easy. Okay. I think all three of us have really, really me, short can, hair. Can I just tell you about getting old? Something about getting old. You know what? Going bald. Praise be to God. It's part of life. Great. Not, not for me. Gray hair. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'll take it. Also not me. You got it. Going blind? Oh, my 2020 heavens. vision over you here. You got it. You kidding me? Where's my... Come on, man. Really? Going blind, too? Oh, that's a hard one. I got to be honest. 2020 be- vision over here. I love I- it. I had 2020 vision, and someday you won't either. I don't brother. think so. I think I'll, I'm going to perpetually be as I am. <laughs> I remember saying that, and I've noticed my vision already starting to dim just a little bit. The real pandemic is coming for you, and that is old age. Ouch. Uh, youth is wasted on the young, as they say. Youth is wasted on the young. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm taking good use of it. Praise be to God. Joaquin, good morning to you. Uh, happy Friday, folks. Have a blessed day and a great weekend. Amen, Joaquin. We're grateful to you for hanging out with us today. Don, praise be to God. Don Paddock hanging out. Uh, Lori uh, Powell thinks that uh, Mr. Thomas should have a mug for his... His prize for uh, hanging out with us today. Not uh, not disagreeing. Yeah, not disagreeing. <laughs> not disagreeing. Well, I, I think I think we should uh, put it up for a vote. Do y'all think that we should give uh, all in Mr. Favor. Thomas a vote? Uh, let us know. Do yeah. we, should we give comment? Him? Does should we give him a mug or should we deny him a mug and then kick him out of the studio? Oh, I, I'm teasing. I'm thinking heart. the latter I'm might teasing. be the way to go. I would not be so. Do we have cruel. a new commenter? I would not be so cruel. I'm only joking. On uh, YouTube side, Zachary Payne, Catholic Answer says doctrine can change. Zachary Payne, hmm. are you uh, are you a new commenter? That that's a uh, I, th- I don't think I recognize you there. Uh, so I think we should give him the uh, first time commenter sound. Yep. There Praise we go. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you. Praise be to God. We like to we like to recognize all new commenters. So if you're a brand new commenter. And we don't recognize you, get our attention because we want to give you some love. Praise be to God for that. Uh, Melanie, thank you for hanging out with us this morning. Uh, see, Good to see you over there. Susan Weber, good to see you too. She agrees. I should get a mug. Gloria, <laughs> Gloria Diane Lopez, thank you for hanging out. Josh, it's good to see you too. Don says, uh, yes, mug. Buddy, it's always a blessing to wake up on the green side of the grass. Preach it, brother. Yay and amen. I woke up in a bed. Jesus Robles, our I woke buddy. up. <laughs> Jesus Robles is making fun of my hair. Your your hair joke, my lack of it, I guess. Christopher Chance, uh, good to see you, my friend. Thank you for hanging out today. Oh, Joe, I have great news. Oh no, I have great news. Oh no, it's I'm just, scared. This is I'm the nervous. best news. Monica said I watched the Jesus is a friend of mine video last night. What? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. Monica, I praise me to God. I gave you praise me to God. Way to go, Monica. Come Way to go. On, Monica. Your rest of your weekend will be blessed because of it. You remember when they would print the warning message on cigarette packs and we still bought them? It's kind of like that. I, mean, I, I warned you. Now it's in your mind. You can't unsee it. It'll never go away. It's just bouncing around up there. All right. I think we have to give uh, Mr. Thomas a mug. He, Lori said, mug, mug, mug. Gloria give Thomas says, a mug yes for his mug. help. Valentine, yes on the mug. Zachary, uh, we'll have to go back to uh, Zachary's question. Catholic answer says doctrines can change. I don't think uh, doctrine can change personally, but we'll have to have that conversation. Uh, Eric Rodriguez, TGIF, CDT family, y'all have a blessed day. Thank you very much. God God bless you. Pocahontas, good morning. It's good to see you. Mary Barone, good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Angelo, it's good to see you too. 
Susan Weber. Let's see. Well, I see some cross posters here. There were some people crossing the there streams. Are, people were jumping around because uh, Facebook glitched out halfway through the show, but I got it back up and running, so hey, people were jumping around. Is Stanley Yabara a brand new commenter? Stanley Yabara. On YouTube side. Good morning. God is good. Amen, I, brother. I think that Stanley Yabara is a new commenter. Well, he deserves it. Which means... Oh, sorry. Wrong one. Wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. It's not right. It's not right what you do, Adrian. It ain't right. Amen. What you do to these people. It's not my fault. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I mean, it's not my fault. God's going to do it. God does it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. It's funny that so many people seem to know Jesus. He's going to do it to I I really like him. I've met him uh, once, and he gave me a really, really nice rosary that I still use to this day. It's like... A solid pewter rosary with the San Domino cru- crucifix. Really? Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I, st- I still use it. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. Everywhere I go, his name pops up. Everyone seems to be friends with Jesus. Jesus. Hmm. Well, Jesus did say Thomas has to get mugged. CDT mug. <laughs> no, wait, are you going to come to his rescue, Jesus, if uh, Thomas gets mugged? I'm just curious. Jesus had amazing comments today. So many great comments. I, I don't know. I think his comment game has been sorely it's lacking. brilliant. No, he's a brilliant man. No, I don't know. Lately, he's been making crazy kind of... Obviously, he's... I mean, talk about getting old. I think Jesus is starting to show his years because he made some comment about... Like a like an Adriatic version of the Suma or something. Well, I don't know. It I'll, was I'll like, have to I have to tell everybody. It was it's, totally. This is, it's incredibly important. Absurd. He it. said, "Humility that God what? sends you." LOL. Adrian is the incarnate <laughs> image of humility. <laughs> Amen, brother. Ooh, Amen. Uh, Chris, Lord, Chris, Lord, Chris, what is this kindness? quote that I have from you? Uh, <laughs> even if I'm even if I'm factually incorrect, I'm still not wrong. Oh yeah, Adrian Fonseca, <laughs> no, 2019. I said, I said uh, it's uh, Thomas. Me and Thomas are in a group chat together. And he uh, he he quoted me saying, <laughs> "I said even if I'm wrong, even if I'm a hypocrite, I'm still right." That's the one. <laughs> uh, no, and then uh, and I said, "Yes, I am the humblest person I know," which is a reference to something I said in, in a, my theology class one day. Jesus uh, said, "Deep, deep professor level explanation. I think you should write the Adrianic Summa." Amen, brother. Amen. amen. Yes, uh, Joaquin, I think is beyond his years and wisdom personally. Um, he just always exhibits such intuitive and sophisticated thought. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. He, here is a, a great example of what I mean by this. He says, Mr. Joe, we should, we, we should read this with an English accent, I think. Uh, do you, can you do an English we, accent? We need someone who can do an English accent. I, no, I'm not trying. Mr. Um, Joe, we should, we should end the yeah. week with a bang. Give the people what they want. Hashtag the horns. Amen. Amen. The horns of the apocalypse. Isn't that just amazing? It's so epic. Praise be to God. The horns of judgment. Mr. Joaquin, I think you, uh, I think you have great uh, astute intuitions there. Praise be to God. Uh, Don says, uh, hashtag old. I can name that tune in one note. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what the horns are saying? The, old. No, the horns are, the horns are about old. judgment. Uh, Eric says, send mine too. Uh, if God, if, if it's God's mug. will, please, my coffee will taste much better. Amen. And Jeff said, let them have mugs. Let them have mugs. Was that like a, uh, a Marie Antoinette, uh, reference so. or something? I think so. Let them eat cake. Let them have mugs. I could read comments in an English accent for y'all. Obviously it would have to be recorded. Why, why would it, why would it be obvious, Christopher? 
You, you could call in. How could you record and then you're gonna like email them to us? I'm gonna play. <laughs> you get the comment two weeks later via snail mail. If you, you're gonna have to work on this, you got to get up early. Send him in a USB drive. You got to <laughs> jump on the on the call. Maybe then we can we'll do the. No, English. he'll he'll record it and put it in a USB drive and mail it to us. Who's the most famous English? Show? We should get someone from Lord of the Rings. Why would they be the most famous? Have them just read. Sir oh. Ian McKellen. I love Sir no, Ian McKellen. No, no. What's his name? Gimli. Gimli, stop. The actor who played Gimli. We should get him on the show to read our comments for us. Mm. You think he'd do that? Sir Ian McKellen. Gimli. Okay, audience, you got to have to vote here. Have you heard Sir Ian McKellen uh, read Shakespeare? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. 10 out of 10. Come on. 10 out of 10. Come on, man. Or Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart also him Sir reading. Sir Patrick oh, he read, Stewart. Oh. He was reading the sonnets. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I mean, so, good. I'm, so good. I think I'm nauseous now. It's amazing. He's Patrick amazing. Stewart is a Star Trek guy. So? Come oh, on, hold on, man. Hold on. Star Trek has its moments. I used to be a huge Star Trek fan. I've never been a Star Trek fan, but I like Shakespeare and Sir E. McKellen and Sir Patrick Stewart do great Shakespeare. Do they? Yep. Are you sure? 10 out of 10. Okay. I recommend going to YouTube. Just look them up. Royal Shakespeare Company. It's amazing. John, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. John Reese Davies. Yes. Yes or yes, his voice is iconic. He, when he did, have you guys heard his uh, uh, dramatic presentation on St. Patrick on formed.org? No. Yes, the, the, the autobiography, or not the... It's an audio the, drama. Yeah, the Trials of St. Patrick. Yes. So I listen to that in the car with my son like all the time, and I, I love it. It's very good. And that kind of goes actually to what Miss, Miss, Miss Cherry, right? Was, was talk, her story was talking about. Like, I would consider The Trials of St. Patrick a classic. And there are hard topics just within his mm. own story, you know? Yeah. And my son, he's only four, but, you know, we, we ask St. Patrick to pray for us frequently, and he loves listening to it. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. I Amen. Think, I think she includes The Trials of St. Patrick as uh, one of the books in her list that she has. Uh, so that, that's a very interesting. Um, oh, one thing is completely oh. off topic. Face to face. What on earth? Hold face on, hold on. I'm trying to play a sample here of John Reese Davies. To now we're going to get flagged. I'm trying to prove my point of the greatness of John Reese Davies. Oh. <laughs> I can't fast I forward know. this to the proper I, place. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm very concerned right now. We're not going to get flagged. All right, I have to. I have to do it some other time before we get ourselves in too deep in trouble with that shenanigan. Okay. It's really good though. If you don't, if you, if y'all don't have formed, you really should get it. It uh, is if nothing just else magnificent. The audio dramas. Here's the thing: they hired McCluskey. McCluskey used to work for Focus on the Family when he was Protestant, and he made some of the most incredible audio drama material. My kids loved. Uh, the focus on the family stuff. Um, Adventures in Odyssey, for instance. And he did the Chronicles of Narnia that was produced and published on CDs. I mean, they're such incredible works of art. And then he became Catholic, and now he works Reformed. And he's produced the Robin Hood uh, series, which is literally amazing. The St. Patrick, he did Saints... Um, Versus figuratively amazing. Yes, true story. And then he did St. Cecilia. <laughs> And then he did, uh, who else did he do? Uh, he did a bunch. St. Francis. I mean, he's got a bunch. St. Patrick. I mean, just, there's such great quality. 
I'd really like to hear one for uh, St. Nicholas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. They were supposed to make a movie on... Uh, that would be horrible. Um, well, I know they have the, the kids the kids movie on St. Nicholas. No, they were going to do a live... I saw somebody trying to make a live-action film. They had actors, costumes, the whole deal. Mm. And then I never heard another word about it. I, I mean, his life was, was much like St. Patrick's. Very, very interesting. He had a lot that mm. a lot happened to him. If mm. I was making that movie, okay, I, yeah, no, he wasn't a slave, okay, but he still had a lot of stuff happen to him, especially after he became a priest. If I was making that film, I would start with this. The opening scene would be uh, at Council of Nicaea, and the, the, her- the heretics walking in the room and facing off to the bishops that are missing arms. They're 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 scarred. They had their bodies bear the the marks of of torture because they stood for the faith and the heretics didn't. And then the punching of, of Arius uh, by, by the Bishop of Myrna. Smyrna. Amen. Um, one story that came Myra. out uh, Myra, that, I, that it was brought to my attention yesterday that I wanted to mention was um, this is happening all over the place, but a friend of mine was at a bookstore in Louisiana, I believe, and she uh, saw that they were selling an icon of Martin Luther King Jr., Ooh. And I was like, uh, and she texted me. She goes, is this okay? Are people allowed to do this? And I've seen this on several places where people will make icons of people like George Floyd. And I've people, seen one of, of Fauci. Of Fauci, yeah. That's pretty common as well, having those of uh, Fauci. This is blasphemy and sacrilege for a number of reasons. Uh, one, you're imitating our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You're imitating his saints. So you're blaspheming. And whenever you blaspheme against the saints, you are blaspheming against Christ himself. And so this is, it's evil, it's wicked, and it drives me up a wall to see people uh, doing these horrendous things. And not to mention that these people are not saintly people. Even Martin Luther King Jr., for all the good that he did, was not a saintly person. He was got in trouble for plagiarizing his I mean, speeches and his dissertation. He got in trouble because he was accused of adultery with his wife, uh, amongst other sexual um, sins. And it, he, mean, just, he, he was, was, he was, he was not a, a perfect man. You know, he was leading people away from the one true church. Absolutely. He was a Protestant. And he also denied a lot of major Christian tenets. Um, and so, yeah, he is not, not someone that we should be looking up to in the Christian life. Sure, he did good things for the civil rights movement, but he's not a saint. And let's not yeah. treat him as such. Uh, well, neither am I. And I think that's a, a broader question of every time we go to a funeral, why do we hear so much... Uh, you know, canonizations going on. So I, I, I'll never forget my buddy, um, Doug Pearson, who worked here as the director of radio operations for many years. And he died of cancer uh, several years ago now. And watching him go through the death process, watching the cancer eat him away. He was a giant man, former U.S. Marine. I mean, tall, big guy. He liked to fight. You know, he was, he, he was, he was a great guy. Big convert to the church, um, but when he was uh, given the sentence, the death sentence of cancer, he shouldered his cross and he bared it with such manliness. It was so incredible to watch. I would have these conversations with him. I mean, literally, right where right where this crucifix is standing in the corner back here, Doug would have to lay down and uh, rest because you know the cancer was spreading throughout his body and it was causing him so much grief. And he would lay there, and I would have these conversations about man. Like, I couldn't wrap my brain around how he was facing this, this death sentence when he had nine kids, some still young, and his wife would have to be left behind to, to deal with it all himself. And he would say, Joe, I, 
I, I would love to stay and help raise my kids. I would love to, but I want God's will more than anything. And anyway, uh, I, even at, even at the, like the day before, the two days before he dies, I visited him in the hospital. Even then, he was in great pain and agony, staring at a giant crucifix on the hospital wall. And I was crying and bawling and just feeling, you know, more sorry for myself than anything about, you know, losing my friend. And he said to me, who are you to take away my cross? And that just struck me like a two by four across the face. And at his funeral at uh, Mater Dei up in uh, Irving, Texas, the priest refused. Not he didn't refuse. He just didn't do a eulogy. He didn't allow a, a eulogy at the mass. Because that's not the place for it. <clears throat> he said, you guys can share stories all you want at the reception afterwards, but not at the funeral. It's not the place for it. And too often, uh, we do that. Like, if I, had to, if I had to give the eulogy for Doug, boy, I would have canonized him right away. I mean, pff, straight to the top with Doug. That's what I would have done. But Doug would not have allowed that. And, uh, and I think that's smart. It's prudential. So... I think that's uh, wise advice. There's a lot of people in our lives and our world around us that do great things. Praise be to God. They do wonderful things. But are they saints? What is the definition of a saint? It's pretty simple. You live in a state of grace. You live heroic virtue. You die with heroic virtue. Um, you're not ordinary. You're not average. You're not just okay. You're not even decent. You are above and beyond that. And uh, I think too often we, we lower the standard because we like a certain aspect here or there. But the reality is um, it is a grace of God that there will be a purgatory that I might, uh, if I can die in a state of grace, get to spend quite a bit of time being purged of all of my faults. And so we have to keep that in mind. So this, yeah, like, you see, like you said, seeing the icon of, of someone like a Martin Luther King Jr. for all the good he did do for the uh, civil rights movement. We can't canonize him. Yes, and we shouldn't be canonizing anybody, really. It's not our job to canonize people. It's the church's job to canonize people. So I think that's very important to keep in mind as well. We, we, it's, not our, it's not our duty or our job, though we can create uh, cult followings of certain saints. Um, that, that's been natural for the history of the church to always do so, to find the holy people, but they're, they're Catholics. Or Catholics who lived a life of obvious sanctity, like St. Vincent Ferrer, or like St. Uh, Margaret, or like St. Padre Pio. Like the, these people were so holy and lived a life of... Uh, Max Colby. Or Max Colby, absolutely. Um, Padre Pio. They, these people were, were saints, uh, lit walking saints. You just you looked at their lives, and there was almost nothing to even bring up uh, against them. They took so many things, and, and we... we we do these things. We we point out the flaws that they might have had, and we and we investigate them. Yeah. But well, we used to. Or we used to. They but got rid of the. the, one, uh, the one, they yeah. got rid of the devil's advocate in the process, which this is, is true. This I is don't true. know why. They, it's like oh. I didn't. When I learned that, I was like, my head was shook. I'm like, yeah, what? That was, that was JP two. The 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 purpose to the devil's advocate was to ensure that that you were blameless. You are. Yeah. You're finding everything. You're not leaving any stone unturned. You're not going to learn something new later. Like, oh, whoa, we just uncovered this grave scandal from this person that we've canonized. So I don't um, disagree that removing the devil's advocate was imprudent, but I mean, I've talked, me and Adrian have talked on this extensively, and I firmly believe that when, you know, at the very end, when someone is declared as a saint, 
I have no doubts that no matter what may come to light in the future, that they're they're saints and that they're in heaven. But you know, we need that's a Michael Lofton question again. Yeah, yeah we, we need. Speaking of which, Zachary Payne has uh, brought up a good question that I think also are we going to get Michael Lofton on next week? Uh, next Wednesday, yes. Next, um, no, not next Wednesday. No. Uh, no, that's uh, John Martinoni. Oh, uh, during the what's concerning us? Yes. Oh. So, well, mm. we'll work on that. We'll, we'll talk about that. that after. Maybe it's Wednesday. We'll get Michael Lofton on. Um, we'll have to just work that out after the show. But Zachary Payne brings up a question. Catholic Answers said doctrine can be changed. Now, I don't have the specific reference or the details or the circumstances. Are they talking about something very, very specific? Are they speaking in general, Zachary? Maybe you can uh, provide some more details on that. But what would you say in general, Adrian Fonseca, to uh, doctrine can be changed? Uh, you're right. Uh, so the the philosophy is 99% uh, definitions and distinctions. So the, there's a saying that Thomists use all the time. Um, rarely, uh, never deny, rarely affirm, always distinguish. And so that's the, the term that Thomists use a lot. So uh, rarely deny, uh, never affirm, always distinguish, or something like that. I'm forgetting now. My brain's not working. But the point being that there is some truth to the statement and there is falsity to the statement. If by can doctrine uh, that doctrine can be changed, meaning it can because what is change? Change just means moving from A to B, right? So if you by change you mean develop, meaning gr- having a greater understanding, meaning. Uh, but if you uh, then yes, oh yeah, doctrine can change in that manner. If by change you mean can mean one thing one day and then mean the opposite the next. No, no, that cannot change because that would be a discontinuity with the tradition of the church and doctrine. Uh, is definitive. And so, okay, so then we have to say, okay, what kind of teaching is it? And you say the word doctrine. So doctrine is a, is a standard. There is a, there are levels of teachings. And if it's a doctrine, then even though it's not infallible, it's still definitive. And so doctrine is our definitive and can't change in the sense that we are meaning the opposite thing. Uh, if it was, for instance, a, practice for instance let's say uh the traditional mass versus the Novus Ordo mass well yes that that can change or the most obvious example um the the what we were just talking about the saints if we're talking about canonizing saints well the process of canonization is not a teaching of the church uh the process of canonization is a dictate of the roman pontiff he can do as he pleases in that manner and therefore yeah that can change uh, but no, it cannot mean the opposite thing. That's not, that's not true. I don't think the Catholic Answers has said anything like that. I have never heard anything that Catholic Answers has said, um, something as extreme as doctrine can change and meaning it in the sense that it can mean the opposite, that what's true today is now false tomorrow in terms of the deposit of faith. Uh, that cannot change. That yeah. cannot, it can develop. Which is referring back to St. John Henry Newman. He talks about the planting an acorn. So just like we don't have the Trinity explicit until about the 300s, we don't have transubstantiation uh, explicit. Uh, the words transubstantiation used until the Council of Ephesus, I believe. Uh, so these these uh, teachings have developed over time. But the idea behind transubstantiation, the idea of the Trinity, was present from the very beginning and is a part of the deposit of faith. And therefore, we can never teach something like, oh yeah, that there is that, the Church is actually changing it's not actually believe in the trinity anymore oh no no we don't mean transubstantiation anymore we mean uh constantiation so we cannot have it mean something that it did not mean before we can only grow in an understanding in that sense it can change amen praise be to god uh mr zachary payne i hope that was helpful but uh we're gonna also pose that i think it'd be a good question for michael lofton as well as buddy's question 
which was a Vatican II question. Do you have that? Uh, yes, I have a okay, question. Okay, good. Because buddy, our buddy, uh, he asked a great question on Vatican II. We're going to pose that to Mr. Well, Michael that was Lofton. correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, wrote, I got that down. Um, so we'll post that. If you have any questions, so Michael Lofton, we've had him on a few times now. Uh, he does a fantastic job of uh, of answering difficult and tricky, sticky questions. And we want to pose to him the most sticky and tricky and difficult questions possible. So if you have stuff like that, send it to us. Send it to adrian at grnonline.com. Adrian at grnonline.com. And we will pose those to Mr. Lofton when he's on the air with us. And uh, we'll also be able to interact with you commenting or whatever. But uh, he'll be on sometime next week, maybe Wednesday. We're going we're gonna to work on that. Uh, we have a new commenter. Praise be to God. So Mary Ann Griffin. Hey now. She's a friend of ours, of me and Thomas, from St. Teresa's Catholic Church in Sugarland. Oh, wow. Uh, so she's uh, the first time commenting. I don't know if she's watched before, but I've never seen her comment before. Hey now. So Thank you, Mary That means... Hallelujah. Thank you, Mary Ann, for joining us today. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Marianne, for hanging out with us today. Um, boy, it was uh, a rough start today. You know, <laughs> kidding. I was. Or, truth be told, I woke up late. Ouch. Uh, I woke up a little late. I forgot to set my alarm last night. Now, I, I didn't wake up that late. Just a little tiny, um, um poquito late. So I, I'm sorry, I don't speak French. Start. <laughs> Ouch. Your parents are shaking their heads at this moment. So is your grandma, who watches this all the time. Um, we. I woke up a little bit late. I failed to set the alarm, but by the grace of God, I got up still on plenty of time and uh, got myself ready. We're pouring down rain only to get to the studio to see a text from Miss Emily that her car is broken down. And boy, not what you want to see. I felt bad for her if I happened to deal with that. And then, of course, we had to jump through a bunch of hoops this morning to figure out how we were going to pull off the news. But we survived it. Nah, it's not that bad. It wasn't all that bad. And Emily's very gracious. She um, she wrote up the she sat in her car and wrote up the news and then went home. Yeah, uh, sent it to us so we would have something prepared for us. Yeah, praise be to God. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I called her as soon as she sent us the text, and she was like, "Yep, I'm stranded on the side of the road." I was like, "You want us to come pick you up?" She's like, mm, "I'm going to try to get the car out of the way. I don't want to leave yeah, the I car don't blame here. Her. I wouldn't want to so, leave the car there either." Mm-hmm. Um, especially, uh, you know, with a storm out like that. Oof, no, I'd want yeah, to Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. It's supposed to rain too. until like Monday. So at any rate, uh, we all, as we've been saying, Emily is uh, leaving the show in a couple of weeks from now. May 14th will be her last day. She transitions back to Chicago. So praying that she'll be able to get everything in order so that she can make that transition. Obviously this car being broken down. Yeah, is, hopefully that car can make it to Chicago. Yeah, I hope they don't have to have it towed. Uh, we are, of course, in the process of uh, of seeking and discerning God's will for her replacement on the show and how we will manage the show going forward. So we ask your continued prayers for that. There's a few people we're talking to about that possibility, and uh, so we're praying and discerning over that, and uh, God's will be done in all things. But uh, it's just not easy when you got to get up crack of dawn. Now, there's not a lot of uh, extra wiggle room for, for troubleshooting when things go go sideways on you. So uh, I was very grateful we were able to pull the show off in spite of it all today. Hey, Seuss, there's something very nice about you, Joe. He said, uh, waking up early is critical for a morning show. Every minute counts. Show prep is important. And as a host, you almost have to be able to do every task. I get you, Joe. <laughs> yeah. every ta- A jack of all trades, master of none of them. <laughs> that's the it's still better than a master of one. <laughs> that's the mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the challenge, isn't it? And uh, the show, I don't know. I think Emily and Adrian have conspired. Uh, to be honest, like last week, Adrian was out. This week, it's Emily. 
Like, what, who's going to be next? Next, well, next week, me and Emily are planning on both of us being out the same day. It's going to be a lot of fun for you. It's going to be so much fun. No, it's going to be prayer. It's going to be penance for the audience. It's going to be um, just uh, listening to Joe talk for three hours. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it if I were you. Uh, but I served in the Marine Corps, and where there is a will, there is a way. There is always a way to uh, to do a frontal assault as clumsy as possible. <laughs> on to the objective. Eric says, uh, prayers for Emily and her G-Ride. Uh, Gloria says, good job, Thomas. Thanks for helping out. Yeah, amen. Yeah, he was he was just coming by because he, t- he, mess- he called me yesterday and asked if he could hang out and see what it's like over here. And I was like, yeah, sure, man. Uh, show up. Praise we be usually God. get there get there at 5 and we're guaranteed to all be there. And uh, thank God he came today because <laughs> the game show would have been a little little weird. A little without, harder. Without, uh, yeah, without little having awkward. a second person. Who's lying? Adrian or Adrian? Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do true-false questions. We'll do true-false. True false. Well, yeah, we would have figured something out. But, you know, I, uh, Thomas, you served in the Marine Corps, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so thank you for your service. Uh, the power to get up early. It's a secret It's a secret power, isn't it? It's like uh, a superpower. It's, it's, it's a hard one. And if you slack on it, even for just the, the smallest amount... Yeah, most people don't possess it. They can't. Uh, they can't no. force themselves out of bed too early. And uh, to to have that capability, just open your eyes and say "Servium." It works. Get you put your foot on the floor. That's the trick. But how about this? Challenge yourself to get up early just to see the sunrise. That alone is worth the price of admission. All right, that is going to do it for today. Praise be to God. Thank you all for joining us on Catholic Drive Time this week. We're very grateful to you. We're looking forward to hanging out with you next week and uh, bringing you the latest in news and stories and guests and covering the topics. We ask for your continued prayers. We, of course, are praying for you. But we're very grateful to you, Mr. Thomas, for hanging out with us today. Praise be to God. And then, Adrian, uh, spinning all the plates in the background. So from all of us to all of you, God love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Do us a favor. Spread the news about Catholic Drive Time. You'd make our day. God love you and God bless you. We'll see you on Monday. joining